important energy storage is today a lot of people would talk uh, only about renewables how it is important how it is changing our uh, energy environment everything but the problem is uh, your renewables alone is not going to help if, uh, if you look at it we are still investing in nuclear we are still investing in fossil fuels japan germany they restarted their nuclear programs so without uh, energy storage uh, renewables is not happening and we need it asap and when you talk about storage again we do not want uh, only storage like what tesla is doing those are short duration frequency modulation and stuff like that we need long duration energy storage which can uh, help stabilize our power grids hi welcome to forbes india's the daily tech conversation where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs cxos and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on india I'm Hari Arakli and in this episode Vijay Prateek and Megha Rawat at Demitas Energies talk about how renewable energy alone isn't enough in the effort to mitigate climate change. The entrepreneurs have spent over a decade developing a zero emission power plant and energy storage solution for industrial applications that they expect to commercialize over the next 2 to 3 years. Incubated at the Indian Institute of Management Bangalore's Narathur S Raghavan Center for Entrepreneurial Learning Demitas is also in talks for its pre-series A funding and expand its R&D efforts into the US. Mega Vijay uh, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for making time for this. So, yeah, maybe you can start with a snapshot of your journey from IIT Bombay to energy entrepreneur and we'll go from there. right um yeah so uh, i started out as an engineer i uh, I, i always believed in renewables uh, and a more efficient way to generate uh, energy than what we have today mm-hmm. and uh, so while in college also we worked uh, we developed a couple of things a uh, couple of projects to solve the energy crisis that we have we, we had made me and my friends had made a small shp small hydro power plant uh, which we were working with mnre back in the days mm. and uh, so we we tried to make a microwave based uh, uh, powering system recharging system for electric buses so th- this always was interesting to us primarily because uh, since school time since fifth sixth standard we've been hearing about the benefits of renewables and how non renewables are bad for the for both humanity as well as the planet but the problem is that we uh, i i i graduated college and still we were dependent on fossil fuels so that did not really add up uh, in my head and uh, we decided uh, on with uh, degree in engineering we decided to take things in our own hands and work on this and the added benefit was if we worked in a bigger organization boeing or whatever it might be we would be a small peg in a large machinery and uh, if we did our own thing we could uh, dictate what we wanted to do we could actually build technologies that would solve humanity's problem and that was the big uh, calling for me and that is where that is how we started this journey uh, into clean tech so it's a mix of uh, idealism towards a cleaner uh, source of energy and also the challenge uh, that a tough problem brings and the satisfaction of solving that so that has been my journey uh into this all right mega over to you uh first of all thank you hari uh, to have us here on this platform and uh, we look forward to share uh, a lot of things that we actually wanted to share with uh 
lots of people and um, again thank you for this platform in you i'm a software engineer by degree i went to nit i worked very briefly in it and i never found a love or passion for coding uh, but somehow i happened to discover my uh, love and passion for sustainability and happened to found a, a startup a startup called uh, curio designs and i used to make footwear out of discarded tires so by that i could lease some more life to that piece of uh, waste and uh, into beautiful pieces that people would love to use and that way help them with a solution where they could also participate to make this planet better in uh, in their daily use way right i happened to cross paths with vijay and to my surprise as he said to common people when it comes to clean energy nowadays uh, lots of people they don't even know the importance of clean energy for me also like other people it was like solar panels or windmills beyond this i didn't know anything about it but after a lot of research and interaction with vijay knowing about what company is doing and want to do in future uh, it was very eye opener to me so my efforts with this are going to be connect all people at different level at different capacities to contribute to this okay i'm just uh, super curious i know it's a, a small segue but uh, uh, footwear from uh, discarded tires uh, so what's happening to curio designs today Yeah, a lot of people ask me that question so uh, it's kind of on hold there were there were other people in my team who are running it uh, you know without me but yeah with my little guidance so far um so yeah so yeah so let's dive into the the company itself and what's been happening there when you all started you and two other friends what was the original idea in terms of uh, product or technology that you wanted to build and maybe uh, maybe some initial thoughts also you might have had in terms of uh, how you would sell it right so uh, initially very strangely this project did not start as a clean tech uh, company or a clean tech uh, technology uh, there's a, a huge uh, problem that the navies across the world are facing today uh, their submarines are either nuclear or non nuclear uh nuclear submarines are very expensive to build uh, clearly which is visible because uh, not many countries can afford to build one the technologies that go into it is very expensive uh, it's also uh, controlled by a few countries uh the other type of submarines are non nuclear uh, the problem there is why you can build it it typically just uses a diesel engine uh, it cannot stay underwater for a very long time and a submarine uh, if it comes up uh, on the surface Uh, it loses all its stealth there is no real use of a submarine if you can detect it so uh, a lot of countries across the world were working on technologies that could sort of solve this problem and we thought that uh, diesel engines waste uh, a lot of heat a typical ic engine would waste uh, about 70 to 80% of the in- inherent energy in the diesel in the fuel as we see the energy so if we could just capture that and store it on board the submarine would stay underwater for longer uh, durations so this is how it started but then we realized that the same technology can be used in power plants it could be used in industries where uh, there is equal amount of uh, waste heat a typical uh, steel plant for example would waste about 40 45% of its thermal energy a uh, thermal power plant a nuclear power plant would waste at least 60% of its energy 
so this could be deployed there and uh, rather than military use uh, there would be a lot of positive changes that our technologies could bring in the power industry maybe even in the automotive industry so after a couple of months after ideations of our ideas on paper we realized it's a better fit with uh, with the power industry and that's how uh, this idea was uh, ideated uh, having said that we are still working with the military we are still working with the indian navy the us navy on these technologies but um but the ideation was there but now as a company we focus on power generation and not just the uh, military applications what sort of the message that you all wanted to convey with the name demitas uh so it, uh, demitas we this the idea we wanted to convey is we all engineers we all slept late was uh, the we slept a lot less than a lot of people we uh, coffee was what saved us uh, when we were working and demitas is a turkish uh, word for small concentrated cup of coffee and that is something that connects all of us at least in our team and that is where the name came from i mean also as engineers we very bad at naming things we couldn't come up with a name for i think a month or two uh, earlier so this stuck okay i mean in terms of a, a usable product how long did it take to build your first prototype which could demonstrate the technology or at least demonstrate the concept and and mm-hmm. uh, can you give us a layman's sense of uh, the underlying science Mm-hmm. so uh, it took us almost uh, four and a half five years uh, to develop the underlying technologies so uh, the key difference between our technology and uh, regular power generation technologies that uh, they use thermo thermodynamic processes we use thermochemical processes so there are a lot of pnc permutation and combinations that goes with chemicals catalysts the processes and the interplay of thermodynamics with chemistry so perfecting that at lab scales took us a lot of time uh, it took us almost 5 years uh, we uh, in parts we took a little bit of help here and there in kind with tata power with escorts and uh, once that was developed the sciences the underlying sciences were developed it took us about 8 months 9 months to develop our first prototype that could generate some sort of power uh, at a low efficiency thereafter uh, within the last 3 years uh we we've, uh, we've deployed about six uh, proof, uh, proof of concepts and uh, paid pilots so uh, it's it's been a very asymptotic growth it took us a lot of time initially and now we are on an accelerated uh, trajectory once the sciences has been developed it's always the science that takes a large chunk of your time okay uh, for the general re- uh, listener and I-, i put myself in that category as mm-hmm. well uh, maybe you could try and attempt a simple explanation of what you mean by how your device mm-hmm. works on thermodynamic principles versus mm-hmm. other devices which use uh, thermochemistry right so uh, the key technology that uh, differentiates us is the chemi- involvement of chemistry into the thermodynamics of power generation so we all studied uh, in school 10th 9th standard the rankine cycle where uh, we use steam to generate we use the superheated steam to generate electricity and that steam is reliquified using uh, using uh, water in rivers or air cooled condensers etc this is inherently a very energy intensive process it wastes a lot of energy to cool down steam back to liquid water it it consumes about 
70 to 60 percent of the net energy that uh, you had to begin with in your coal, in your nuclear fuel, whatever it is. So inherently, it's a very wasteful process. And we wanted to change that bit. So uh, inherently, if you look at it, we've got enzymes uh, within our bodies. The world is full of chemistry. Uh, chemistry makes things much more efficient, much more energy efficient. So uh, we've tried to replace that mechanical component, com compressors, condensers, etc., etc., with chemical processes. So instead, once we uh, once we generated the energy, the power that is required uh, using steam or uh, our working fluid, we convert that working fluid, that steam, back into liquid using chemical processes instead of mechanical. So that chemical process that we've used, uh, that gives us about uh, an efficiency of about 30 to 40% over and above existing technologies. Now, chemistry also, uh, it enables us to store energy because once you've uh, used chemical processes, unlike thermochemical, thermodynamic processes, you can stop them. You can make them into batch processes. You can have several sort of tanks of liquid, which contains a lot of energy in its chemical bonds. So using this chemistry instead of mechanical processes to liquefy the steam, we can A, generate power much more efficiently than existing technologies, and B, we can also store that energy for very long duration. And uh, this chemical process is, is, uh, is at the heart of our technology. All right. Can you uh, explain uh, the hardware a little bit more? Uh, I know you've called it an engine. Does it have moving parts? How does it actually work? And uh, since you started with the uh, loss of energy in diesel engines, uh, and then I guess capturing that in some way and keeping it within the submarine, uh, is that the underlying principle still? I mean, so your engine captures power from other power generating engines or is it a generator by itself? I mean, lots of questions in my head. So, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly valid questions. So uh, the underlying principle remains the same. Uh, if you look at any engine, any uh, thermodynamic engine that generates power, it always requires an energy source. So it could be coal, it could be nuclear fuel, it could be uh, waste heat from other industries, other processes, thermal processes. So in a very similar way, our uh, engines or plants, whatever you call it, uh, it utilizes energy source from an external uh, energy source, actually. You could uh, use it, use uh, waste heat recovery from industrial processes. You could use waste heat from diesel engines like the submarine. You could use solar thermal energy. So the energy coming from the sun directly could be used. The heating, the IR radiation part of the sunlight could be used to heat our fluid. We essentially need a thermal source, uh, it's something to heat our working fluid. And once that working fluid is heated, much like a steam turbine or a steam, uh, steam power plant, thermal power plant, that working, that heated working fluid has captured a lot of uh, energy. And that turns a turbine, uh, much like a conventional power plant, which generates electricity using an alternator. Now, the key difference, however, is once that steam has expanded in volume, you need to reliquify it. Uh, traditional power plants would use uh, water at room temperature source from sea, from river, whatever the source might be, to cool down the steam. Once the steam cools down, it reliquifies and then the cycle continues. But again, as I mentioned, it's a very wasteful process. You waste about 60 to 70 percent of your net energy that was present in the fuel. So uh, to avoid that, we introduce a chemical which reacts with this working fluid of ours. 
it reliquifies the working fluid and obviously when we have a lot of waste about uh, 12 to 15% of the net energy uh, present gets wasted that is a basic thermodynamic law you cannot not waste energy uh, to generate electricity or to generate any usable power so but ours is 15% and otherwise it's about 60% that's a huge difference so uh, this chemical uh, there's a series of uh, chemical reactions and a lot of catalysts are involved in this uh, process uh, these are extremely energetic reactions they use a lot of energy present in the working fluid to convert the gaseous state working fluid into a liquid state working fluid and the law of thermodynamic states if you change a state from gas to liquid there's a lot of heat that is supposed to be released whether it's released into the atmosphere or wherever it is it has to be released so our chemicals utilize this released energy and it stores it within its chemical bonds so now whenever you require that energy later on you can always undergo let it undergo another set of reactions which will release this energy but this will be usable you are not wasting this into the atmosphere and the key critical difference is if you would do this with water for example uh, in conventional power plants the temperature at which you are releasing this energy is about 40 to 70 degrees celsius it's not a very usable form of energy you can't really do much with this kind of temperature it's called low grade uh, thermal energy in the industry but what our system does is it boosts the temperature right to about 300 to 600 degrees celsius at this temperature you can use the thermal energy outright in in various industrial processes or you could you could send this thermal energy back into the power plant and generate some more energy using this uh, stored here energy so this is the key difference uh, and how our function uh, how our energy uh, generation system functions and also the key difference between uh, our technologies and uh, other existing technologies so unlike photovoltaics for example or wind generation we don't generate power uh, out of thin air or using sunlight directly we've got a ton of moving power parts and uh, this is also a strength so uh, we uh, a lot of our listeners probably have heard that uh, there's a real danger a very real danger that the renewable energy might uh, might result in a lot of losses in jobs a lot of these uh, blue collar jobs in power plants and all they they're not skilled for photovoltaics and wind turbines and uh, tidal wave uh, engines for example but because our system uh, is very similar to existing technologies our technology can uh, a come into the market very quickly because everyone understands this technology to a greater degree and second because of the similarities we can absorb and assimilate a lot of these uh, lost jobs so uh, what seems to be our weakness is also our strength so so in in all of this uh, can you give us a sort of simple understanding of what is the core intellectual property that you have developed and mm-hmm. i would imagine you have patents for them and so on mm-hmm. so uh, we haven't gotten patents so far uh, primarily because uh, we are a boots we were until uh, recently a bootstrap company we've just raised our uh, first round of funding and uh, the number of patents we have a it's very expensive uh, b uh, once you start filing patents unless it's done properly it becomes public information so uh, the kind of technology we are in the kind of competitors we have they have a lot of deep pockets and it becomes deterrent to our own developmental process that we are uh, patent so right now we are going with trade secrets in the coming 2 3 years we will be filing for patents 
so uh, that is point number 1 uh the core ip that we have uh, a the primary one is the chemical processes the catalyst the chemical processes the working fluid that we have the chemistry of the entire system a that is a, a key uh, intellectual property that we have which we protect fiercely uh second uh, is the entire cycle there is no known cycle which you uh, interplace chemical processes and thermodynamic processes the way we do and then there are ton of other uh, smaller uh, intellectual properties in the uh, area of materials uh, in the areas of uh, nanotechnology that we are developing right now uh, in terms of nanofluidics nano uh, nanotubules that uh, help us uh, better our catalysts so these are the key one but the key technologies that uh, the key it that we have is our uh, chemical processes okay you know, scientists and engineers like you i think you all use this uh, a uh, simple scale of uh, technology readiness level uh, right. i understand right so on that right. scale uh, where are you today so today we are somewhere in between trl 5 and 6 uh, which basically mean that we've done a lot of pilots a lot of semi real world uh, applications and now we are perfecting the technology for market readiness uh, and for real world applications so uh, that is currently where we are at and roughly in your mind what is the sort of timeline to a commercial product mm-hmm. so we are looking at about one and a half to two years uh, in the best case scenario uh, in the worst case about two and a half to three years uh, where we'll have our first commercial product up for sale uh, right now we work only with very key uh, players who understand this technology this market very well like the indian defense forces the like bpcl a couple of steel plants that we work with so um, we want to develop a product within the next 2 to maximum 3 years where any uh, customer can just pick the product up it's a, a fully uh, ready commercialized product and um, and that is the sort of timeline we are looking at for our core uh, for our core application for our core product which is grid scale grid connected grid interacting uh, energy storage system we are at least 4 uh, and 1/2 to 5 years uh, away from a commercially functioning plan and uh, does it make sense to talk about uh, the capacity of your uh, engine yes it totally does so uh, the our technology is very scalable we've done projects at about 2 uh, and 1/2 3 kilowatt uh, and we can go right up to about uh, 2000 megawatt of capacity we can store energy from about 10 to uh, 50 kilowatt hour right till uh, multi gigawatt hour scales so there's a lot of uh, scalability to our system and this is very evident from the diesel engines we see from the uh, and more importantly steam engines that we see today they're extremely scalable systems uh, we've got a ton of knowledge over the last over the last century on these kind of system on reactors heat exchangers turbines generators so it's a very scalable system but the question comes is on the pricing you don't really see uh, steam turbines at 10 kilowatt scales because it starts becoming very expensive so on a commercial uh, non military scale uh, non niche scales we typically operate at about 200 300 kilowatt right up to multi megawatt scales uh, similar uh, scalability applies to the energy storage systems uh, on a very niche system like the indian navy that we are working with uh, on unmanned uh, underwater vehicles for example we do about 3 kilowatt to 10 kilowatt systems uh, because they can afford it so uh, at the end of the day uh, when you talk about scalability in terms of only technology it's extremely scalable 
the spectrum is very wide but in terms of commerciality uh, it depends on the uh, financial pocket or the uh, financial comfort of the user okay you just mentioned uh, your first round of funding can you talk about uh, how much money you have raised uh, who your uh, important investors are i mean i know you are supported by the uh, i think by iimb as well as uh, tata right. group uh, just give us an update on all of this yeah so uh, we've been incubated at uh, iim bangalore uh, nsr cell uh, in 2017 and thereafter we were offered incubation by social alpha uh, which is done by the tata trust so uh, after incubation we've been working on ourselves uh, with our own funds and uh, we've just closed we are closing actually uh, legally uh, our first round of funding uh, la- we did bought last month and uh, because we've signed ndas we can't really reveal the names right now uh, the amount but uh, it's a it's an american investor who's also a partner in a in an it in a top 500 top 50 uh, it firms so he had been a former uh, cap gemini partner we can reveal that much and uh, in the coming few weeks he would be uh, uh, releasing a press uh, note on the fund that he raised so it's a pre series pre uh, series a uh, it's on the large fund and uh, we have other investors out now so before the end of this year or the quarter one of 23 we are going to close our uh, series a also with our uh, we bought a couple of american investors lined up so um, yeah so in the coming few weeks we will be anyway releasing a press note on this okay uh, you spoke about pricing being an area where you have to work in a sort of focused manner depending on right. applications and customers in a broader sense what kind of challenges do you foresee right so uh, in terms of commerciality uh, or the pricing uh, we we stand uh, in a much better light than our competitors or even existing uh, technologies Uh, so for example in terms of storage uh, we are at least 6 uh, to 8 times cheaper than the best uh, lithium ion uh, competition available in the market and uh, when it comes to uh, power generation we are about one and a half two times better than photovoltaics or wind without storage when it comes to uh, power generation with storage we are at least four times uh, cheaper than the best uh, photovoltaics or wind that is available today and no no storage today can store uh, energy uh, for the duration that we can we already demonstrated 18 months of energy storage with no loss uh, during storage so uh, that is uh, we are way better than most competitors today the technology is available we, we haven't reinvented the wheel we haven't really built new sciences we've just used existing sciences and placed them in a way that uh, builds a better product uh, than what is available today but where commerciality uh, comes or the pricing uh, becomes a challenge is in the uh, scalability at the fringes of the spectrum that we were talking about so when it comes to smaller scales so for example 50 kilowatt 10 kilowatt systems the engineering that goes into the turbines for example or the heat exchangers because the size is small the efficiency needs to be uh, maintained the engineering the precision engineering becomes very expensive so that is where the cost increases Uh, otherwise, uh, th- there is no other uh, uh, cost uh, factor. The catalysts are extremely cheaper. Uh, cheap. The working fluid typically uh, runs at about fifty uh, to sixty rupees uh, per liter today uh, at low volume. So when the scale kicks in, the price is gonna fall dramatically. 
so in terms of pricing i think we are uh, positioned very well against most competitors uh, the only competition we see is fossil fuels because they are abundant they are already the supply chain exists uh, apart from that uh, there is not much uh, competition we see in terms of pricing and in in terms of manufacturing when you get to the point where you will be commercializing at scale uh, what are the plans you would manufacture them in india and where would you locate your plant and so on so uh, manufacturability the good thing again about our technology is that we are not reinventing the science so a lot of uh, components can be outsourced we are working with some of the best companies uh, in the energy sector today for our uh, heat exchangers uh, we are working with uh, thermax for example for our uh, for our uh, reactors um, so uh, a lot of these components we uh, that is not critical to our it or that is not uh, something we are designing we would be outsourcing most of it uh the key uh, components uh, of our system is the only thing that we would be manufacturing and manufacturing of that is not very complicated we are doing quite a bit of it already uh serial production wise we intend to do that only after 2 to 2 and a half years once the commercial product has been developed uh we intend to manufacture in india we uh, we are components are designed our engines are about 98% uh, made in india uh, uh, we do not import components from outside india except for key uh, sort non critical components like uh, rare earth magnets for example so uh, we intend to design manufacture uh, everything uh, we intend to do in india however having said that we've got a little bit of challenge in terms of r&d in terms of a little bit of uh, knowledge base in india because Uh, we don't have a lot of uh, engineers in this field so we are expanding currently expanding to the united states uh, for our r&d uh, uh, r&d aspects so uh, in the future we would be designing partly in the us and partly in india but manufacturing uh, only in india yeah i was actually going to ask you in terms of your team whether you would be able to find the experience that you're looking for or the kind of knowledge Today, how many of you are there in your company? So right now there are twelve of us, uh, of which uh, five or seven, five of us are uh, core uh, engineers, core team members. Uh, we're all engineers. Rest are all uh, employees. Uh, they're not permanent as such, but um, we've just hired them because we got funding recently. So they've been working with us over uh, a year and a half, and uh, we intend to retain these at least some portion of these twelve people. So right now we are twelve strong. over the next uh, 12 to 18 months what are your uh, top priorities so over the next uh, 10 to 12 months uh, we air intend to raise our series a uh, funds uh, using which we will uh, start working on building our first commercial product uh, open to everyone in the market uh, that is our primary focus we intend to also build our team uh, expand to the us get key members uh, in our team uh, where we lack so uh, nanotechnology is one of the aspects our catalysts the molecules that we use right now we are developing coatings and uh, nanotech uh, version of the, the, these the synthetic molecules so uh, that is a key area we lack in uh, we are working on turbine blade designs where again we are not really uh, uh, where, where our strength does not lie currently so we we intend to build our core team uh, in these uh, key aspects and um, so this is uh, what we intend to do over the next uh, 18 months 
just a quick query related to what you said about uh, lower capacity uh, mm-hmm. applications so i'm thinking that uh, your uh, immediate focus would be to perfect a commercial product for the larger scale industrial applications and uh, anything like a consumer level application would probably be much further down the line right right so today uh, the lowest hanging fruit for us is uh, key uh, industrial players Uh, which have a lot of waste heat uh, and they also require a lot of energy uh, industries like the oil and gas uh, steam cement uh, these are the key players uh, we want to target them a because it fits our uh, it fits our need very well they also need uh, our technology like us and they understand the technology and they were deep pockets so as of now we want to uh, focus only on them after about a year year and a half we would want to also focus on smaller scale technologies like uh, telecom uh, we are already talking to indus uh, towers where the requirement is significantly smaller about uh, 5 to 15 kilowatt uh, power capacity once we have these kind of customers because they got large volume uh, orders of lower capacity once we got that uh, sorted then we would want to focus on consumers uh, something like a power wall where a large house or a couple of houses can be powered by a single system we could probably work on distributed uh, energy systems and our investor who's just investing he is very keen on this aspect of our technology so but that is again at least 3 uh, years 4 years away uh, we are not focusing on that right right away but uh, yes in the near future we would want to get into that market as well and i guess you you all would have already thought about uh, how competitive your product will be in terms of uh, cost mm-hmm. per unit of energy stored and released right so uh, as uh, our cost is pretty uh, low when you compare it against uh, so as a standard uh, comparison uh, typical uh, photovoltaic plant uh, setting it up uh, would take about 5 per megawatt um, roughly Uh, without storage uh, ours with storage uh, similar capacity power plant would at low volumes cost about 4 4 to 5 crores uh, per megawatt at par with uh, photovoltaics but when once we gain uh, momentum and we got volumes we typically see it going to about roughly 3 to 4 crores uh, or lower uh, per megawatt uh, that is on the larger side again on the consumer side it's pretty high it goes to about 6 7 crore per megawatt and uh, once we start working with the companies like uh, telecom sector the indian railways uh, where we can scale down uh, using the volumes that these uh, people will bring in so even the consumer side we expected to go much lower than uh, where it is today so as an example uh, turbines right so the key uh, expensive technology that go into our system when you go at lower scale is the turbine turbines become very expensive at uh, lower scales but if you mass produce these turbines like it is in uh, turbocharger it tends to become very cheap turbochargers don't cost you as much as micro turbines do although the technology is pretty much the same so we are banking on that uh, that technology that aspect of say a law of scale to help us on our consumer product side so uh, at the end of the day we expect our uh, all our technologies to be below 5 uh, crore per megawatt Okay. Uh, anything that you would like to highlight that I may have missed or I just didn't know about? Uh, I think you highlighted most of it. It was a very uh, well-informed question that you asked. But uh, I, the only one uh, point I would probably put is 
how important energy storage is today a lot of people would talk uh, only about uh, renewables how it is important how it is changing our uh, energy environment everything but the problem is uh, your renewables alone is not going to help if you look at it we are still investing in nuclear we are still investing in fossil fuels japan germany they've restarted their nuclear programs so without uh, energy storage uh, renewables is not happening and we need it asap and when you talk about storage again we do not want uh, only storage like what tesla is doing do the short duration frequency modulation and stuff like that we need long duration energy storage which can uh, help stabilize our power grids when when there is no cloud there is no wind our renewables are not functioning you still need to have power and you need long duration energy storage once you've got those you got technologies like demitas energies uh, energy storage systems that is when you could have a completely green grid all all our technologies about ev about everything it becomes viable only if you have uh, completely zero grid otherwise there's no point uh, in these renewables so this is one aspect i would want to just put it in the broad daylight because it tends to get missed a lot of time uh, we didn't mention that it technology is zero emission technology and i guess that that was a very important point to talk on this platform right right so see uh, the, the key thing here uh, again uh, is that uh, there are a lot of zero emission products out there already uh, and underdeveloped and there's wind there's solar there's tidal energy there's gravity so but the problem with most of these is they are also very unreliable they depend on uh, external sources that are very intermittent in nature and most of them or almost all of them cannot store energy so the key uh, thing that enables us or differentiates us is that we are zero emission uh, we don't combust anything uh, we have zero emissions of any sort forget carbon emissions or not uh, but also we are very reliable uh, there's no other technology that can uh, that can see that they are zero emission and still have something like 19.9% uh, uptime which we can because even if the uh, source is intermittent we have inherent energy storage system so uh, therefore uh, that is the key thing it's not just uh, zero emission it's zero emissions with extreme reliability and affordability okay excellent thank you both for making time for this uh, really enjoyed the conversation definitely hope to keep it going Thank you so much Hari it was amazing talking to you and thank you for the opportunity Thank you for having us Hari That's it for this conversation you can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast apps I'm Hari Arakli thank you for listening